1: With a new podcast every day of the Premier League season,
2: this is Football Social Daily. Four competitions in a week. That's the state of play in English football at the moment. Last week it was European affairs, the weekend was the Carabao Cup final and last night, tonight and tomorrow the FA Cup. And what about the small matter that's the Premier League too? There was a game squeezed in yesterday as battling Burnley faced the lacklustre Leicester where a returning Jamie Vardy vanquished the Clarets. And it was teenage kicks for Tottenham in the FA Cup last night, as in a teenager kicked them out of it. Middlesbrough with an extra-time winner from 19-year-old Josh Coburn to see off Spurs. Usually that would be called a Cup upset but is it really that much of a shock right now? No such drama for Manchester City against championship opposition. They ease through by beating the posh 2-0. And our first-tier versus second-tier battles don't stop there with Luton welcoming Chelsea tonight. There are a couple of all-Premier League affairs in the FA Cup too. Basically, there are stacks to get through on today's Football Social Daily, the podcast keeping you in the loop with top-flight affairs every single day of the season. My name's Niall, and with me to go through it all today, we've got Matt Pidd and Marley Anderson. Morning, boys.
1: Good morning. Good morning. Morning, morning to everyone, um, except Jason McIntyre on this fine Wednesday morning. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I saw that last night. You and Jason McIntyre had a little bit of a back and forth, Marley, on the old sports social Twitter. <laughs> we didn't. Just, well, we did, but I mean... You did, to be fair, right? It was um, nothing you bad. Did, you did dig it in, though, for no reason. You started some beef out of nowhere. And the best thing is that a Quavine Kelleher isn't even Ireland's number one. That honour of first-choice Irish goalkeeper goes to Portsmouth's Gavin Bazunu on loan from Manchester City, of course. Yeah, We'll talk about Man City later on in the show when we get to the FA Cup, but first we need to focus on the Premier League game, the sole Premier League game that took place last night, wedged in between all of those FA Cup fixtures. It happened at Turf Moor. Burnley, of course, are playing catch-up with the amount of games they've got in hand, and they welcome Leicester City to East Lancashire. They lost 2-0 to the Foxes, and that result certainly halts Burnley's momentum in terms of the form they were in. Bad news for Burnley, but good news, Marley, for the rest of the sides down at the bottom of the table.
1: Yeah, great news, uh, you know, sitting there, well, not watching it because I I didn't watch it, but um, yeah, great news for for Newcastle, Leeds, Everton, uh, Watford, anyone with with half a shot at at, at staying up, really. Um, I think a lot of people expected Burnley to get at least a point, um, just with it being, you know, your typical clichéd, Burnley game that you don't want to play, you know, away on a a Tuesday night when, you know, Leicester weren't at their best and they've been. I don't think they've won a game since December, so everyone was kind of expecting uh, Leicester to to get turned over, really. I think, but they they dug in well. They they created chances. I think Nick Pope had a really good game um, for Burnley. Um, Rode the luck a a tiny bit with the disallowed goal, although it was clearly offside, so maybe not. Maybe not a riding of any luck, to be honest. Um, And then. They, they they did what they do. They brought on they brought on Jamie Vardy, um, and he proved again why he's still one of the best strikers in the league. One goal, one assist, um, and the lads that came off the bench, Madison and Vardy, just uh, won it for them at the end. So, fair play to uh, to Leicester for getting that first win and that sort of monkey off their back, um, and winning the first game since well, first game this year, um, and pulling themselves up the table and keeping Burnley well in that fight because Burnley did have games in hand and. They're sort of evaporating now, so they're very much still in this
2: scrap. The table, if you looked at the table before last night, I think there was only sort of six points difference between where Leicester City are in mid-table around 12th, 13th to the bottom of the league. And I think few Leicester fans with their form were just starting to get a little bit jittery. So that win, particularly over a side who are scrapping down there against Burnley, was a real good calmer of the nerves for those Leicester fans. You're right to pick up on Jamie Vardy. He's been out for a while with injury. He's back. As you say, a goal and assist. We've spoken about how Leicester have been a bit lacklustre this season. It's been a poor campaign for them, Matt. Could that be the difference now? Jamie Vardy coming back and back in amongst the goals. We know how good he is at putting streaks and runs of goals together. Um, Maybe that's the spark that Brendan Rodgers needs to maybe make a little bit of a fist of the end of this season.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, the the 12th in the league, uh, 17 points behind 4th, but with three games done. but that's still... You know, like a far cry away from where you know they've been over the last couple of seasons. You know, challenging for European European places. Um, they've had injuries to key players, which definitely hasn't helped their cause. But they've also defended poorly, like especially from set pieces. So that's something that Brendan Rodgers needs to address. But you know, with players like Vardy coming back from injury now and scoring, you know, it could be a springboard for their season, and you know, just finishes high in the league as they possibly can and they could also find their way into the Europa League next season you know if they um, they win the Europa Conference League so I'm sure Brendan Rodgers and his players will have that in their minds as well I mean the reality is the club is now in a place where it wants and needs European football every season you know after the experience they've had in recent seasons with winning silverware and being competitive for the top four so they just need to remain focused now and just um try to keep winning as many games as possible from now until the end of the season.
2: By the way, Leicester have drawn French club Stade Rennais in the Europa Conference League, as Matt says. Um, not going to be easy. They're currently fifth in the French League, doing better than Leicester are in their respective league, of course, the Premier League. Um, just another note on Jamie Vardy. With that goal last night against Burnley, he's now scored the most goals by a Premier League player over the age of 30, breaking a record previously held by Ian Wright. Fair play to Jamie Vardy. And like you said, Marley, someone who seems to be evergreen, isn't
1: he? Yeah, evergreen. Still the same energy and and style of play almost uh, that he was uh, 11 years ago now when I first discovered him at at Halifax and he was uh, still one of them live wire strikers who you just hate to play against. And, you know, fast forward you know, seven, seven or eight leagues up the pyramid and, you know, what is it, 110-ish Premier League goals he's got now, something like that. Um, setting records, played at Euros, played for England. Had a ridiculous career. I was thinking about it last night. Just that is this, this, the stuff of, like, movies this this career he's had. So, you know, fair play yeah. to him. He's, he's an absolute Premier League legend and, and proof that you can go down to the bottom of the of the barrel sort of thing and still make it back to the top if you work hard and you've got the talent.
2: Yeah, I think I'm right in thinking more goals than Didier Drogba in the Premier League now, which is yeah, not a bad achievement, right, yeah. is Bob, it? Bob. So well done, Jamie Vardy. I wanted to come back to something you said more a moment ago. as well. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I wanted to come back to something you said a, a moment ago, Marley, uh, and it was about Nick Pope, because I thought as well, Matt, that Nick Pope was in brilliant form. Just how good is he? Is he England quality? And the reason I asked that question is because whilst I was preparing for the show today, I was thinking about this. I was thinking the World Cup is in Qatar in December and we know that England's number one goalkeeper is Jordan Pickford. These are all ifs, buts and maybes. But let's just say for argument's sake, Everton gets sucked into the relegation zone and they go down. Jordan Pickford would then be goalkeeping in the championship for Everton, arguably if no one picks him up, of course, in the summer, should this happen. Therefore, with England's number one spot, is it up for grabs with how bad Everton have been this season, the form they're in? Or do you think that that's still solidly Jordan Pickford's? Because on last night's display, Nick Pope looked like he was unbeatable at times.
0: Well, we've seen it with Nick Pope before. He's been in and out in England set up over his career and he's had injuries and stuff like that that's, that's halted his progress in a in a way. But when you look at him and you look at his stature and you look at the way he commands his box and just his overall presence, you know, for a back four, it's always it's always better for a back four to have a presence like Nick Pope in their in their squad because it gives them more confidence. Jordan Pitford is a quality goalkeeper. Don't get me wrong, but we've known him as T Rex arms, Papa wrists, and stuff like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> you don't associate that with Nick Pope. Nick Pope's never had that sort of branded towards him he's never really like sort of made any clangers. Like, I'm sure he has in his career at some point, but there's none really of note that I can think of that he's done that night like, suggested that he's not England quality. You look at his performance last night for Burnley, it was outstanding, it was fantastic. You know what I mean? Obviously, they still lost the game, but from a personal note, he'll be proud of what he's done there. And why not? Why not force his way into the squad for Qatar? Because obviously Jordan Pitford's having a difficult season at club level for for Everton and if they do go down it could it could really knock his confidence so Gareth Southgate's got to keep his eye on that and Gareth Southgate's one of these managers where he seems to pick players like not on like sort of like the name or the reputation and stuff like that how well they're doing in form for their club so if Nick Pope keeps this up absolutely why not why not bring him into the England setup i'd have full confidence in him definitely
2: i'm going to completely contradict myself here and say that i think it feels a bit premature to be talking about england spots for the world cup because Let's not forget, there's a whole pre-season to go and the start of next season before (laughs) Gareth Southgate will start thinking about picking his squad. So absolutely, like you say, it's in December. So, you know, the players that are in form now might not necessarily be in form at the start of next season. We saw Harry Kane now only just starting to come into form, but traditionally at the start of a campaign, he's not as prolific and certainly wasn't for Tottenham this season. And speaking of Tottenham, we'll be talking about them next because they are out of the FA Cup. We'll talk about that after this on Football Social Daily.
1: Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.
0: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them.
1: Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk.
2: Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily, your podcast, keeping an eye on all of the action in the top flight. Across the Premier League season, but of course Premier League sides in FA Cup action, at least those still in. But Tottenham aren't in. They've been knocked out by Middlesbrough of the Championship. They were beaten 1-0 at the Riverside last night. Teenage substitute Josh Coburn struck late to beat Spurs. No chance for silverware now for Antonio Conte. Another trophyless season for Spurs. Alan Shearer, one of your heroes, Marley, said on the TV last night that it was typical Tottenham. Do you agree?
1: Of course I agree. <laughs> of course, I agree with Alan Shearer. Uh, number one, because he's Alan Shearer. Number two, because he's stating the bloody obvious. <laughs> it is, it is typical Spurs. I don't think anybody's surprised that they that they lost last night, especially when it went to extra time. You're thinking, have Spurs got the stomach to grind something out in extra time? Have they got that that mentality? And no, absolutely not. Even though the manager is probably the absolute epitome of the of the um, the mentality and approach you need. To, to a game like that, you know, nobody's, nobody's uh, uh, shocked, you know, they, Middlesbrough got in their faces, they didn't let them play, they they were decent value for, for the draw, if, if it had ended after the 90 minutes, um, you know, Spurs weren't creating too much, and, they deserve what they got, to be honest, I think it's, it's another step back for, for them, you know, they bounce back from the, the shocker at burnley with a, a massive win at leeds but you know how much into that can you read especially when you look at the defending for a couple of the goals from leeds and and their obvious problems if you the the acid test was going to come up against a team that played more like burnley to to see um to see how spurs cope with it and middlesbrough played more like burnley in the way that they actually went for the game and actually competed in the game and didn't do what leeds do um, and just defend like, like, terribly basically. So, um, yeah, Middlesbrough, uh, you could see it coming. You could see it coming an absolute mile off. Um, and everyone on the BBC got to see it, which means it's even more embarrassing for, for Spurs.
2: I think with Tottenham, we've had discussions over the last two weeks, Matt, about where their problems are. They had games in hand, they looked in good form, they looked like they could crack the top four, but they lost three in a row. Then they beat your team, Man City. Um, and then they lost to Burnley, and then they went and beat Leeds, and now they've lost to Middlesbrough. It's so inconsistent, and a lot of people have suggested that the ownership are to blame for a lack of investment and the way that they're running Tottenham Hotspur. But you can't blame the owners for losing to Middlesbrough last night. The players and the coaches weren't good enough. They have a team more than capable of seeing off Borough, but they couldn't do it.
0: I mean, Middlesbrough are only a couple of points off the playoffs in the championship, and obviously the are no mugs with a decent manager like Chris Wilder and obviously they had home advantage as well, but with the squad that Spurs had out last night, you know, they should have got the job done, but like Marley was saying, Borough deserved it on the night. When you look at the stats, you know, Spurs only had two shots on target more than Borough, but the one that counted was the one that, you know, Josh Colburn put away in extra time, you know, which sends Borough into the the quarters, and unfortunately for Spurs, that search for a... glory, glory Tottenham Hotspur, you know, seems to go on, on, on. Um, It's just Spurs being spurs -er. it's That's exactly what it is. I mean, they go and beat City uh, at the Etihad after City being unbeaten for 14 games, you know, and then they lose to Burnley the week after. Go and beat Leeds, yeah, okay, but Leeds at the moment, you're conceding goals left, right and centre, so you can't really look too much into that. And they're going to get beat by Borough in the FA Cup. I mean, Conte, I mean, we all know he's had an air transplant, but he must be wanting to rip it out. Because it's the way <laughs> the way it's going right now, the, the squad that they've got and the players that they've got, this they should be being consistent at least. Not getting beat by teams like Burnley and by teams by Borough. So you can't really, like we were just saying, then you can't really blame the, the lack of investment because they have invested in the squad. And they've invested in the coaches and they've invested in the backroom stuff. So you can't really blame that. I think it's just down to a mentality thing from the players on the pitch. I don't know what it is. I don't know whether they think they're, just, they're better than what they are or getting a bit above the station. I think that they just need a complete rebuild in that squad from next season. They've got a couple of players there, like Young Ming Sun, like Harry Kane, players like that that are world-class on their night. And they do need to build around those players. They've got a couple of like sort of like passengers when you watch them play, there's a couple of players in that squad where they don't really have an effect on the game. They just watch it pass them by and I think that's exactly what happened last night. And I think Borough just sensed it last night. Borough, FA Cup, under the lights, quarterfinals on the line. They just sensed that Tottenham were there for the taking and they went and did a job on them. So fair play to him.
2: Yeah, that's Manchester United and Tottenham that Middlesbrough have now beaten on their way to the FA Cup quarterfinals. I definitely think with Tottenham that there are an amalgamation of factors as to why things aren't going to plan. Yes, I agree. The ownership haven't invested enough in the playing squad. I think you only need to rewind to when Pochettino got his team to the Champions League final and they didn't strengthen that summer. And players like Christian Eriksen ended up moving on. Two of their big centre-halves were Tongan uh, and Alderweireld. Um, both of those were kind of linked with moves away. One of them did eventually move on. So I definitely think that it's a, it's a case of a lack of investment, but also they've tried the glamour coaches, they've tried Mourinho, they've tried now Antonio Conte. The players need to take some responsibility.
1: Just on Spurs, I was going to say this last week, but I wasn't on the, the right podcast um, after the defeat to, uh, to to Burnley. I was thinking about Tottenham and, and where, where they're sort of going wrong because they've got the manager, you know, exactly as you've said, they've got the manager, they've got the players, it seems. It's just like a mentality thing, but the one thing I was thinking about about Spurs is that when Conte was last in the Premier League, um, it was 2016, 2017, and he did something. I think they got beat heavily when he was uh, when he was Chelsea manager. Um, I think they got beat by Arsenal. I think it was four-one or 4 0 Like, must, must... yeah, they switched formation, didn't yeah, they?
0: Yeah, so yeah, I might yeah so it. they
1: switched formation to a back three, right? And nobody could co- could cope with the back three. That's what won them the league, and Chelsea just walked the league like pretty easily, really. Um, but now
2: everyone plays a back three, Marley. Exactly. It's that's my
1: that's my point. So five years ago, nobody could play against a back three. They were like, Jesus, there's players everywhere. There's wing backs. There's natural width. There's two strikers. There's a centre midfield and there's three centre backs. Christ, how do we deal with this? Five years on, Conte, from that minute, that minute he switched at at, uh, at Chelsea, has always played a back three. He played it at Inter, um, and now he's come to uh, Spurs and he's playing it again. Spurs have also been playing a back three under Nuno Espirito Santo, so they've had two managers in this back three. Is it not the back three system that's just not working? Because when you've got, you know, all these these results um, going against you, you, know you're losing to Burnley, you're out the cup at, at Middlesbrough, and I argue that the the worst players in Spurs' team over the past. Six months have always been the wing backs. Doesn't matter who it is; it's the width. They're not good enough. Matt Doherty missed an open goal yeah. last night. Ryan Sessignon <laughs> was on the other side. Um, I Yo, know they Davis combined isn't
2: exactly a natural wing back, is he? Exactly. The,
1: this, I mean, Sessignon and, and, and Doherty combined to score against Leeds, but that's one goal in you know however many games. It was Doherty's first goal of the season. It was Sessignon's first ever
0: real thing he's done for for Tottenham maybe he needs to go and try and sign Victor Moses and Marcus Alonso (laughs) (laughs) mate it can't be worse than what's
1: happening now but I just it just seems to me like a manager stuck in his in his ways like you know the Premier League has moved on in in five years
2: I'm with you I definitely think that Conte deserves some sort of a blame like he's not devoid of all blame and I said this on the dugout last week you know everyone's saying Conte's a winner he's not got the tools he needs to do the job he's not you know absolved of all culpability for this you know he's the manager and it's a results game i do think that he should be doing better
1: marcelo bielsa has just been sacked for not for not mo- for not switching styles and and um you know being too being a bit too brave and you know in his in his approach well conte's been doing this for five years and he's come which is and it's worked in italy that's fine but he's come back into england and it's clearly not working and he's not changing something does need to change
2: Well, Middlesbrough beat Spurs 1-0 at the Riverside last night. And from one borough to another, Middlesbrough to Peterborough. 2-0 they lost to Manchester City at London Road last night. Jack Grealish was the City standout. I've seen some people online compare his performance to Messi. I just don't think that does (laughs) Grealish, City, anyone, any favours. Why are we comparing this guy to Messi? Let's not even go there. It's pointless. I really like Jack Grealish. As the report suggests, he was a standout performer last night against Peterborough. But Peterborough are fighting relegation in the Championship. So I don't think that's a fair barometer of the quality that Jack Grealish can show. For me, if I was a cynic, which I am a lot of the time, Matt, I feel like he'd need to start doing that against some of the bigger clubs in the bigger games in the Premier League rather than Peterborough United away in the FA Cup.
0: Exactly. This has been his problem this season. If there's been a problem with him, it's the fact that he's not had an effect in the games where you'd expect him to have an effect. One thing I'll say about Jack Grealish, though, is... He's not—he's not, he's not lack creativity in terms of his link-up play with the players that he's with, and he's not lack effort. Those are the things that he's not lack this season. The only things that he's lacked is the finishing. That's it—the um, the killer sort of instinct that he had at Aston Villa. But he has been played out on the left, which he didn't have at uh, Aston Villa. He was down the centre of Aston Villa. He was the focal point. At the end of the day, he's playing with players now that are on his level or above his level, which he didn't have at Villa. He was—he was the big fish, and—and and this is no disrespect to Aston Villa in the little pond. You know what I mean? He was the big fish in the little pond, but now he's, you know what I mean, he's the fish in the sea um, at Man City. So he needs to just—he needs to learn to adapt to the playing style, which again we've seen with uh, players like Riyad Mahrez, um, Leroy Sane, Jao um, Cancelo. It took a season for them to bed in to the way City play. But I'm not worried at all. I'm not worried. I think Jack Grealish has got the quality, he's got the application to do a job at Man City we seen last night with his link-up play with Phil Foden. Lovely, lovely pass, by the way, which was actually compared to Messi, by the way. That was the only thing that was compared with Messi last night was Foden's pass because apparently him and Grealish was on the coach watching um, watching clips of Messi on YouTube and apparently they said after the game, oh, that was like what Messi did before, so that was nice to see, you know what I mean? A little bit of link-up play between those two. Uh, lovely touch. Lovely finish! It'll do him the world of good. That um, I was absolutely buzzing for him last night, which is his first ever FA Cup goal, which is is nice for him. But he just needs to produce it now in the uh, in the league, and he's he's done it in the Champions League as well. But against the lesser sides, he needs to start having an effect in the games that that matter. You know, the games where it's it's against clubs where they're challenging against us, or the clubs that are on our level. Those are these these are the games where he's going to get judged. Last night was fantastic for him. Um, good for City to get into the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. A good result going into the derby whether he plays on Sunday or not I don't know because Guardiola's obviously had him in and out the side it all depends on what he feels that's best for us on the day or the way United set up, so yeah, Jack Grealish he's, he's going to be okay for us, I think next season's where you can judge him properly judging on her, what's happened with some of Guardiola's signings in the past
2: Yeah, Manchester derby this weekend. Huge game, not just in the context of the title race, but of course for bragging rights in the city of Manchester. We'll preview that game on this week's The Dugout podcast. So make sure you hit subscribe and you won't miss that one. I must admit, I watched some of the game last night, Manchester City against Peterborough, maybe about five or six minutes, and Jack Grealish was on the ball the whole time. But the one highlight that I did see from him, which wasn't really a highlight, was when he took on about three players, then lashed a shot, but it went so far wide and so high, it probably landed in the North Sea somewhere. And I was thinking, oh, is it going to be one of those nights for Grealish? But he didn't let it get on top of him. And City beat Peterborough 2-0 to go through to the next stage. As for Chelsea, they're facing Championship opposition tonight as well. They were beaten at Wembley at the weekend. How will they bump down to earth in a game at Kenilworth Road? We'll talk about that next after this. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk.
0: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com.
1: It's my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs>
1: Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.
2: Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League show from Sports Social and Premier League sides are in FA Cup action this week. Last night, tonight and tomorrow there are games, but let's focus on the games that do take place this evening, including the big one at Kenilworth Road, the home of Luton Town Football Club, where they entertain The glamorous Chelsea from Wembley to Kenilworth Road is quite the change. Chelsea will want to respond, Marley, after that disappointing defeat in the Carabao Cup final on penalties with Kepa Aretha Balaga blasting his shot over the crossbar. Do you think they will respond? Because I'm ready for this. Kenilworth Road isn't an easy place to go. And the cliche bell is back. There it is. We found it somehow under the desk here in the studio. But it's not an easy place to go, Marley, is it?
1: Uh, no, it's not. Especially when you're in a away fan, you've got to walk through yeah. someone's house to uh, to get yeah. to get in the stadium. Yeah,
2: back um, garden, past the washing line. Yeah, yapping dog. Yeah. the whole lot. Y- Brilliant.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's an old school place. But Luton are flying in the championship, though. They're they're doing really well. You know, um, I remember I did some work uh, in 2013. It was, um, and it was I worked for. I did a, a recorded a match, um filmed a match for Hyde United and it was when um Luton Town came came as conference champions and that was you know, that was not long ago. They had Andre Grey up front. Um and you know they, they walked they walked the uh, the conference and ended up in league two. A few years later, you know, bouncing around in the championship for a couple of years finding their feet and now I think they are they sixth or seventh sixth yeah fighting for playoffs. S- there you go. So they could they could have a shot at the Premier League in uh, in three months' time. So they're flying. i look in, in total fairness. I don't expect them to get anywhere near Chelsea tonight. To be honest, um, I think the uh, the Chelsea will will obviously steamroll them. To be honest, but it's uh, it's a chance. Uh, it's a chance to put yourself out there. You know, Luton have got not. I mean, the sort of size wise, they're probably one of the smallest teams in the Championship. So. You know, they they could do with the money, the exposure, the the eyes on them to to highlight what what sort of they're at, they're all about. Um, and yeah, so it's a it's it's typical FA Cup. It's it's a free hit. You know, you've got Chelsea coming off the back of a a disappointing defeat, even though they played pretty well. Do you think in that'll that will make game. a
2: difference, though? That that Carabao Cup loss is that gonna is that gonna nah, play no. any odds into this tonight?
1: Not really, because they played really well in the game. <laughs> Simple as that. Like they they nearly beat Liverpool. Yep. Could have won. Yeah, they could have won for me. Yeah, they, they could have won. They could have. I mean, it, it could have ended four three either way if uh, everyone could stay on side. But it's it it didn't. It ended nil nil. But it was a cracking game, and you know, unless this one goes to penalties, Luton will will probably start as rank outsiders. Um, but yeah, it would be funny if it went down to penalties in... Kepper stepped up again. Probably, probably would land in that uh, back garden with all the washing and the yappy dog.
2: <laughs> Kenilworth Road is um is, is a a strange place, a very unique stadium, I must admit. If you're listening to this and you're not familiar with Luton Town or their home stadium, Kenilworth Road, go on YouTube it or Google it. I'm sure there's some really good fan footage from the entry into the stadium. Basically, the door to the away end, the gate to the away end is in the middle of a row of houses. It is very different. It's um, one of the best away grounds I've been to, not in terms of how pleasant it is, but in just in terms of the experience. So, Luton tonight of the Championship welcomed Chelsea to Kenilworth Road.
1: I've just realised Cameron Jerome plays there as well. <laughs> I wonder where he'd gone. Old
2: Premier League uh, throwback Cameron Andrew Jerome. And <laughs> Crystal Palace won in the FA Cup last night. They beat Stoke City by two goals to one, and there are two... All Premier League affairs in the FA Cup this evening. Liverpool against Norwich, but first we'll discuss Southampton against West Ham. Both sides, Matt, haven't won a trophy in absolutely years. But this, for me, is West Ham's best side for a long, long time. Top four in the Premier League is still their aim. It's still within possibility they can still get in the top four. But do you think they should also be targeting a trophy? Because it's not often you get a West Ham side that are are this capable. So... With the fact they haven't won a trophy for a long, long time, it would be a nice way to kind of cap off this era of West Ham United by by winning some silverware. Obviously, the next stage is to win tonight and get into the quarterfinals, but should they be taking this quite seriously?
0: Absolutely. I mean, for a fan base, there's nothing like better than a decent FA Cup run, especially if you've not won something for a long time like West Ham have. I think um, losing to Liverpool in 2006 in the uh, the Cup final probably still bugged them a little bit because... Uh, yeah, there was um, there was well in it. There. Sorry to cut
2: you off, mate, but Jim obviously is a big West Ham fan and I asked him about a year ago what his favourite moment in his lifetime supporting West Ham was and he said the FA Cup final in 2006 at the Millennium Stadium where Steven Gerrard smashed in a couple of goals yeah. past Shaka Islop and that was it. <laughs> they lost the FA Cup and I said, that is why I think Premier League fans are getting a little bit too caught up in finishing fourth. And it's great to go on a Champions League away day or a European yeah. away day, but there is just nothing like seeing your side lift a trophy. Yeah, it's just nothing I like I bet it. he
0: was going absolutely mental when Paul Chesky's cross, you know, just found its way over. Uh, was it, I, th- I thought, was it Jersey Dude that was in there at that time? Yeah. Um, I think so. Yeah, I bet he was going absolutely mental there. And those are the, those are the moments that fans live for. I've been to an FA Cup final and I've seen City win an FA Cup and I can tell you now, I'd I'd take that over finishing fourth. I would if I was in that position. I really would because those are the moments that that just that just last forever in your memory. You can you can look back in a few years' time. You have got grandkids and stuff like that, and you can just tell them about that moment, iconic moment at Wembley. And yeah, the West Ham, like you said, they've got a really good side at the moment. There seems to just be a, a harmony at the moment at West Ham, where the, the players and the culture are all just working as one. They've all got a plan together, and it seems to be working out for them at the moment. And they've got the stadium there; they've got the London Stadium that that's deserves of a team, you know, like West Ham that are doing really well at the moment. It deserves to have a trophy being brought back there. It deserves to have these glory moments. So yeah, West Ham they really need this, and I think if um, they get a decent cut run together, that can also coincide with Premier League form because it, it can they can go hand in hand. I don't think one can detriment the other. I think I think they can they can sort of like help each other along. So if they get a good cup run going, get a lot of confidence going, that could help them finish fourth next season. So yeah, West Ham, I'd, I'd absolutely love it if they, uh, if they finger, if they did really well in the the FA Cup and got into the Champions League as well.
2: Well, they face Southampton at St Mary's, and Southampton have actually been quite good at home recently so that'll be an interesting clash And I think you only need to look at Leicester City winning the FA Cup last season with Yuri Tielemans goal fans finally allowed back into Wembley Stadium to watch the game albeit only 10,000 of them but what a moment that was for Leicester City and yes they finished fifth and missed out on the Champions League but I think if you ask Leicester City fans now six months down the line would they swap that moment for finishing fourth in the Premier League last season I'm not sure too many of them would so definitely think the FA Cup um it is a real great opportunity for some of these clubs like Southampton or West Ham to go on and win a trophy. As for Liverpool, they've just won the first silverware of the domestic season. They beat Chelsea in the Carabao Cup final at the weekend, as we've already mentioned. And they're still in the FA Cup. They are fighting on four fronts. They could well win the Premier League and the Champions League as well. We'll wait and see on those fronts, of course. But for the FA Cup tonight, they host Norwich City. There's only one winner here, Marley, isn't there? And it won't be Norwich.
1: Yeah, you would uh, you would think so. Um Liverpool's Liverpool's recent record over Norwich is one of the one of the most one sided things you could ever possibly see. I always remember when Luis Suarez used to just help himself to a hat trick pretty much every time he played Norwich, <laughs> and I just felt felt so bad for them because they knew what was coming and they still couldn't stop it, even no matter how many men they put on him. Um, and it's it's yeah it's a uh, it's a hell of a task uh, tonight. If you you talk about sometimes when you talk about clubs, you know being in a good position for to try and get through in the cups. You talk about West Ham, for example, just then. Leicester last season. You you look at Norwich tonight and you think, what have you what have you got coming up at the weekend? Um, and what which game would you rather win? One that gives you a shot at staying in the Premier League for the first time in God knows how many years that you've actually successfully battled relegation. Or would you rather beat Liverpool in the FA Cup f- <clears throat> in the FA Cup fifth round, and have you know what three more games before you before you win the tournament? It's not like it's a, a final or a semi-final to give you give your team a massive historic moment. Um, so the Norwich fans would probably take you know six points from the next five games to give them um, to give them a, a shot at survival rather than beating Liverpool. But then again, confidence confidence is is something that they need and what would give you more confidence than going away to Anfield and turning over uh turning over Liverpool and, and giving you some fight in that in that battle that you've got on your hands at the minute
2: well Liverpool take on Norwich in the FA Cup this evening that will do us for today's football social daily a nice quick wrap-up of all of the cup action there are games tomorrow I think it's just the one in the FA Cup Everton tomorrow and then it's a big Premier League weekend Manchester Derby Matt we won't speak to you Before that game, uh, only probably after it next week. So what are your thoughts going into that one just quickly?
0: City's recent home farm against United has been absolutely terrible, so we need to go and pan them. Simple as that.
2: (laughs) Fighting talk. Very succinct. We'll find out exactly what happens. Fergal will be back on Sunday night to run the rule on that game. But we'll also have a full preview with Dean Hammond and Matt Jarvis, two former Premier League players. They'll be joining me on the dugout this week. Make sure you hit subscribe and that way you won't miss it. But from us on today's Football Social Daily, that's it. And we'll speak to you again tomorrow. Football's
1: Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport social.co.uk.
2: Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.